You can't live your Christian life out through your spouse or, or through anybody else because the people who've tried that have failed miserably. You cannot live your Christian life out through the church. You can't live it out through the pastor or through your favorite TV preacher. You've got to find God on your own. And that's what it's saying. In the last days, find an intimacy with the Lord. We've got to have that. Now, this sounds elementary and basic, but this is what Paul was saying. You've got to have intimacy with the Lord. You have to live with God. And He has to live with you. Meaning every area of your life, God has to be able to look into those areas. And there's areas of all of our lives that God hasn't seen into yet in the sense of we've not allowed Him. But when He does come, you know, He'll look into those areas. And I just feel like that's an area of weakness in the church is we've got a bunch of people who come to church, want the worship team to do it, want the preacher to do it, and, you know, want to get in on their, their, their uh, just like what I was saying, I want to get in on somebody else's thing, you know. But we've got to get this thing for ourselves. Can you imagine a church where everybody came in full of God, where everybody was on fire for God? And then when the people who came in that were messed up, they would get blessed and get touched. Instead of having a bunch of people who are grumpy and mad and don't want to really be there. You know, and sitting there like this, all upset about something. They're in church to worship God and they're mad. Or they're, they're daydreaming. What? Just stay at home and daydream. That's sort of my thing. Is I don't want that kind of Christianity. You know, and we none of us should have that kind of Christianity. We, we got to get out of this stuff. And I believe this attitude that we have is because we're, it's just an indication that we've gone to sleep. We're asleep. The things of God don't please us. We don't want to worship the Lord. We're too hung up on the style. That indicates something's wrong. We ought to be able to worship the Lord anywhere. I should be able to go into a, you know, and sing a hymn and get blessed and think, praise God, you know, and not be so on this style thing. Y'all think I'm being hard to get along with? <laughs> I'm fixing to stop. But I am going to tell you just a couple more here. First Thessalonians 5.11 Therefore comfort each other and edify one another just as you also are doing. And I believe this. And I'm going to tell you, I believe this from the bottom of my heart. I believe this business of coming to church on Sunday and going home and never having relationships with other Christians is not in the Bible. Okay? It is just not biblical. It's American model of Christianity, but it is not a biblical model of Christianity. God has called the church to be a body, a body of Christ. And how in the world, if my hand says, well, I'm going to connect up with the rest of the body one day a week for a couple of hours, what, what kind of deal is that? Would you want your hand to do that to you? No, you really wouldn't. You want your hand to be a part of you every day. And to function every day. You know, anybody, you know how sometimes you lay on your hand and it goes to sleep? And it, you, it wakes you up or, you, go, you, you know, whatever. You know, your hand feels all that tingly stuff. What does the rest of your body do? You start shaking your hand. and That's why you need to be connected. Because when you start going to sleep, you've got the rest of the body that's going to start shaking you and say, Wake up! You know? In the last days, we need people to shake us and wake us up. 
And that's why it's so important to be vitally connected with other Christians. That, I'm not talking about going and sitting in a room every day, but I'm saying have a relationship with others and be connected with others and allow others to speak into your life and have accountability with other Christians. That's what real church is. This is not church. This is just a, a gathering of the church. But church is lived out all the time. And in the last days, we need to be that kind of people. Or you're going to go to sleep and you're not going to have anybody shake you. you just be out there dead asleep and ain't nobody, you won't have anybody around to, to help you. All right, 12 and 13. Okay, and we urge you, brethren, to, <laughs> to recognize those who labor among you. This is sort of funny to me. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I feel sort of stupid standing up here saying all this stuff to tell you the truth. Okay? I don't know why I do, but... Um, I'm just telling you, this is the truth, though. What I'm telling you this morning is the truth. And when you get to heaven, Jesus is going to say, he, what he said on August 18th was the truth. You should have heard and listened to him. I can promise you he will because I'm just telling you what's in the Bible. So I'm feeling real confident right now, but real <laughs> stupid too. And we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Be at peace among yourselves. Okay, Here's, everybody loves this one. If you're going to not go to sleep, you need to be submissive and respect spiritual leadership. That's what you need to do. You need to get under. I'm telling you, you need to do that. Because if you don't, you're going to be in trouble because it's right there in the Bible. It says, In fact, it says you need to really esteem the people that God has placed over you. And forever in the Bible, there's a story called David and Saul... And David never, even though Saul was worthless as the day is long and was a bad leader, but David would never come against Saul. And we got bad leaders in the church that really don't deserve anybody to submit to them other than the Bible says to. And, and really and truly, I think, you know, everybody's, you know, because there's been so much bad stuff on there, everybody's swung the other way and, you know, we've sort of gotten away from all that. Uh, but I think we need to get back to it. I, I really think we need to get back to it. I'm not saying that for my sake because, you know, I'm just telling you it's the truth. And you can decide what you're going to do about it. But I think we need to esteem leadership and we need to submit to leadership. And we don't need to talk bad about them. If we've got an issue with them, we need to go talk to them and entreat them. There's ways, you know, the Bible gives us ways of dealing with bad leadership you know, in a way that's righteous. But we really need to get back into uh, submissiveness in the church. All right, 14 and 15. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly. Comfort the faint-hearted. Uphold the weak. Be patient with all. I see that no one renders evil, for evil, to, evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good both for yourselves and for all. Um, here, here it is. Okay, we are failing. The church is failing. We are failing each other because we've gotten too soft on each other and we have not warned people and admonished people. You know, we've wanted to comfort everybody and make sure everybody was okay. And it's okay, you're going to be okay. And it does say do that, but it also says warn. And I think the church start, needs to start exercising discipline on people. I think it needs to start doing that. We're not doing that. We don't discipline people. We let people do stuff they shouldn't do. We don't speak in their life and say, you're way out of line, you're wrong, and, and you need to stop doing that. 
We need to start doing that kind of stuff because it says to start doing that kind of stuff. And I think we've gotten off, and what we've done is we create a spirit of sleepiness in the church by not being that way. And, and, I, and it goes on, it says be patient. It doesn't talk about being mean. It doesn't talk about just running over people. But it does talk about genuinely loving people and helping people. Genuinely. By really, when you see sin in life and you see them going off, you, you, you hold them accountable. You challenge them. And, you know, and I'll admit, I'm the worst person in the world. I'm like, let them, you know, if they want to do that, heck with them. Go, let them do it and find out the hard way, you know. But I've just decided recently, I'm not going to do that no more. I am not going to suppress things in my heart that I don't feel right about, okay. I'm not going to suppress them no more. If I don't feel good about it, you're probably going to hear about it. Because I feel like that's what the Bible tells me to do, and I feel like I've been disobeying the Lord. This is a confession. I feel like I've done this church a way big disservice in that area. I feel like there's things that went on that I have just kept held, you know, gritting my teeth over and didn't really say anything about, and I feel like God's saying, that ain't right. <laughs> Even if you were wrong about it, you could go to somebody and tell them, and they could say, well, oh, yeah, but, oh, I understand. I don't feel bad about it no more. I understand. You know, I'm not talking about being some malicious, mean-hearted person. Are y'all with me on that? And I think we need to be like that with one another. I think we need to get real with them, but we need to comfort and we need to be patient also. If you're a person who's already been doing it, slicing and dicing, maybe you need a dose of comforting and patient, being patient for a while. You know, get into that mode. You hear what I'm saying to you? So, anyways, praise the Lord. It goes on. It tells us several things to do. To rejoice always. That means to be calmly happy. Pray without ceasing. Quick, here's something Ken was telling me last week. There's a guy, a pastor who went to great had was going through an awful time in his life, went to great expense and time and effort to get to Mother Teresa to get some counsel about what he should do about his terrible situation. He got to her after, you know, spending lots of money and effort and talk, told, went through this big, long scenario with her, and you know what her counsel was? You need to pray more. He said, no, you don't understand, <laughs> Mother Teresa. I've got this, and he goes back through it again, and she says, you need to pray more. You just need to pray. And I think we need, and I'm not talking about having prayer meetings. That's good. But I'm talking about we just need to be talking to God about our stuff more. As you go in your life, Jesus said always to pray. And now Paul's saying pray without ceasing. We really need to start, you know, getting there as a lifestyle, just talking to God about your stuff. Not some of the formal kind of thing. But just talk to Him as you go through your day, as you're working, as you're living. Ask God about what's going on in your life. And I think that's a good word. And and then it goes on and says, uh, in everything, give thanks, not for everything, but have a thankful heart. You don't have to be thanking God for, you know, for murder, but you can in all these situations find, you know, find the Lord. It says not to quench the spirit, not to despise prophecy, but test all things. In other words, there's nothing better for a church than this, is for the Holy Spirit to move in the church. That will wake people up. They may wake up mad about what God's doing and offended that God's doing such a thing. And the ones who love it, they're going to wake up happy. But, you know, that is a good dose for a sleepy church, I think. It's get, just get God in here and let Him just come in here and wreck the place for a few times. And everybody will be awake and everybody will be abuzz about what God's doing, like it or not like it. And that's why it says, don't quench the Spirit. So, Lord, we ask you to come in here and wake us up. Just get on fire, release prophecy, just turn up. And people who don't like it, they'll be mad, but at least they'll be awake. And they may be asking God about this stuff. You know what I'm saying? But it goes on, it says, test all things, you know. 
the way I feel like God started speaking this to me, like I say, I had a conversation with Jim about the church. And I thought, well, you know, what does the Bible really say about this church thing? You know, so the first thing I did, I'm going to go back and find out how these, what it was saying. I'm going to go back and look on these letters. Who were they addressed to? Were they the people or were they the churches? If they were addressed to churches, that tells me one thing. They're addressed to an individual, it tells me another. You know? And that's how you find That's how you test things. You, you've got something here you can test it by. You've got something here you can find the answers in. And it's called the Word of God. And so now you've got 1 Thessalonians 5. You can take 1 Thessalonians 5 and start looking over it yourself and find out how you're supposed to behave in this day that we live in so you will not be a sleepy Christian anymore and you won't be consumed with the cares of this life. Amen? And that's it. And now we have something special. Where is... The linkers. Y'all can come on up. We're going to, you know, just really bless the linker baby this morning. I'm going to bring anybody who wants to come up with the linkers, the families. I just think it's so important that we... Um, acknowledge, you know, the fruit of the womb and, and really bless, you know, what God does in, in a family's life. And, and that, that's what we're really doing. And I got a couple of scriptures I wanted to read. First is the scripture from the family that they felt like they wanted for this child. And it's a great scripture. In fact, I'm glad you got this, and this, this helps me. It's, it's Matthew 19, 14. Let the, little, let the children come to me. Do not forbid them, for such is the kingdom of heaven. Do not forbid them. And, you know, it really needs to be the philosophy of the church. Um, that scripture needs to be our philosophy, is that the church embraces children. Just like the church needs to embrace women, they need to embrace children. Children have something for us. The spirit that's in them is no, he's not small. He's as big in them as he is in us. And so that's what we want to do. We want to bless Jacob um, today and bless this family that's standing with them. Um, I, I thought about the one dedication of a baby in the Bible uh, was when they dedicated Jesus and how how they did that, you know. Um, Simeon, for whatever reason, really spoke directly to the mama. He didn't speak to Joseph, and I think we all know the real reason. But I feel like the Lord gave me something to say to Brett. Okay? So this is, this is it. It says, uh, 127, verse 3, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. And so I think that's one of the things the Lord's saying to you there's part of your reward is, is right there for, for both of you and, and for the whole family. It is, it is part of our reward in life as our children. And we, it's a reward of the church. You know, you know, I hear people talk about churches that, you know, our church is old, we don't have any children. They say it sorrowful. Uh, you know, what a shame. Then it goes on and says, like hands, like heirs in the hands of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is a man who has his quiver full of them. We'll let you deal with that one. <laughs> they shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with their enemies in the gate. Okay. 
Children are like arrows. Everybody in your mind pitching an arrow. You know what an arrow is? You shoot it, right? That's what they're like. And Brett, it's your responsibility to make sure that child is launched correctly. And I think what the Lord wants to say to all of us dads and moms and grandparents, but really particularly to daddies in the society that we live in, it is not the church's responsibility to launch your child. Okay? It's not if you send him to private school, you send him to public school. It's, not, it's your responsibility, Brett, to make sure this child is launched correctly. And what you've got to do to launch him correctly, see, see, the church is only here to help you. And, and, and the grandparents are really only there to help you, to make sure this child is shot out. Now, here's what will happen. Brett, if you don't live the Christian life, if you are not on fire for God yourself, don't expect your child to be on fire for God. Because it's really the truth, you know, it's not what you say, it's what you do that really ultimately counts with all of our young people. And here's the, here's the other thing, here's the church. The church is like a wind. We're just a wind blowing, trying to help the era along. That's, that's all we are. You hear what I'm saying to you? You, and then you have adverse winds. Like if you put your child in public school, there's going to be an adverse wind that's going to come against your child. So you have to adjust for those winds. You see what I'm saying? You as a daddy have to figure out, all right, we've got this adverse wind coming this way. We've got this wind of the church. It, hopefully it's a good church. It believes in God. It's going after God. They're coming that way. You know? And then we've got these friends here. They're doing this. You know? And you take all those things into account when you actually launch that to make sure that boy is launched into the purposes of God. And that's really what God's saying to you today. Is before the Lord and before all these people, I want to say it as serious as I can, as a daddy who hasn't always done it right, is you have got, you've got to live the Christian life. You've got to be the dad. You've got to be the father in this house. And that means you've got to go after God with all your heart or you are going to cause him obstacles that's going to be difficult for him to overcome. And, you know, if I could say anything, any regrets that I have in my life, those are regrets that I have is where I really didn't do the things I should have done with my children that I regret. Now, that doesn't mean he's going to be perfect. He's got a will. He's got a choices he's going to make. And there comes a point where you have to release him, and it's launched. And if he decides to go off course, then, you know, you'll be just stuck praying for him and hoping God will do something. <laughs> praying for when, God, get him back on, you know. But you see what I'm saying to you? And I really want to encourage you today, solemnly and strongly, you know, live the Christian life. Go after God with all your heart, and that will make that boy the man that he's supposed to be more than anything else. And, and Kim, you need to do the same thing. You know, I believe that's so. And I believe Bunny and Neil, you know, all you guys, you know, that's what the examples we And all of us guys, we need to be an example to these young people. Because they're watching us. They're not watching. They're not listening. They kids over here not listening to stuff we say in here. But I promise you, they are watching our lives. And if they're seeing stuff that don't add up to what we say, we are failing them. And we've done enough failing, I think. Amen? Is that a hard, hard deal, right? <laughs> by the grace of God. By the grace of God. Jesus, y'all lift your hands towards this baby. We want to just dedicate Jacob to you today, Jesus. And we want to bless him today. Lord, he's already been given to you. He was given to you from the time of conception. But we're publicly giving him to you today, Lord. We're saying he belongs to you. 
we're agreeing with, with Brett and Kim that he's yours all the days of his life. And we pray, Lord, that Jehovah would be upon him. Jehovah God would protect him and cover him and anoint him and cause him to come into his full purposes for the days you've allotted to him on this earth, Lord God. And I thank you for that, Lord. I thank you for Kim and Brett that they would be the parents that you've called them to be. They'd be strong parents. They would know when to love and they'd know when to lovingly discipline. They would know the difference, Lord. Lord, we just ask you right now for a release of grace on this family, Lord Jesus. Lord, we thank you for this baby today. We thank you for this family, Lord Jesus. And we just give you praise, Lord. We give you praise. And let Jacob be like Jacob of old, except for, Lord, we ask you if he somehow cannot be such a, a rascal at first. <laughs> that he can sort of jump over that phase and go right into being a prince of God. Hallelujah. Amen. Prince of God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Have y'all got grace for about just a few more minutes? Do you? If you don't, well, Lord bless you. Come on, Dean. <laughs> I hope y'all got something out of that message. I really think that message is from the Lord. I think he's trying to speak to us. I think he's trying to help us. If I was acting like an idiot doing it, I'm just an idiot. That's just the way I am. All right, I want everybody to repeat after me. Dean, you're a great guy. And I want to thank you for the opportunity. I want to thank you for the opportunity to be blessed. Okay, because I'm going to give you an opportunity to be blessed. When we got the, um, what I'm here to do is take up an offering for the building fund. The, me being a great guy really doesn't have anything to do with that. I just wanted to affirm it. And um, we've got two scenarios. We've got a loan on the church um, that's good for five years. We've got a great interest rate on the loan because we're in great interest rate times. But two things are going to happen within the next five years. One is we are going to have to redo the loan because it balloons in five years and we're not on a schedule to pay it off in five years. So we're going to need to get another loan. Or two, we're going to grow out of this facility, which is what the words we keep getting are, and we're going to have to build another facility. In either case, whatever the Lord does, and it's all in his hands, in either case, when we go back to a lender, they're going to need to see something. And that is they're going to need to see that we as a church that this is really our church, that this is just the building we meet in, but this is really, we're the church, and we're committed to the church. And so when they look at refinancing this particular loan, they're going to want to see what has the church done over the last five years since that loan to show their commitment to the church. And so that's why we have a building fund. And we're going to be able to show the, the banks, the lenders, a track record of this is the different times throughout the years that we've taken up building funds. and this.